pricing is strategic in that it flows from and contributes to the overall strategy of the firm, how it generates profits, which businesses it chooses to enter, how it plans to perform the work. And so I find that to be really fun and it makes me feel like I'm really engaged with the business of the, of the firm. Welcome to Pricing Matters, a podcast by Digitary Legal. Digitary is a data analytics and cost management platform and service, bringing data-driven pricing and cost prediction to law. My name is Aurelia Spivey, and I will be your host as we speak to leaders who are making an impact in legal pricing, discuss market trends, and find out from them why pricing matters. And our guest today is Kevin Barbie. He is the Director of Pricing at Fenwick and West. Uh, welcome, Kevin. Hi, Aurelia. Thanks for having me. Um, you're welcome. Um, so what I'd like to do is, is always start at the beginning. I think it's always helpful for our listeners to know, you know what led you on your pricing journey and how you found your way to legal pricing. So would you tell us a little bit about that and you know what got you to where you are now? Sure. So my background is in finance. I have a degree in finance. And when I got out of college, I had a few different roles in finance and in marketing and wound up in San Francisco in 2001 working at American Arbitration Association. So I took on a business development role there, and that was my first role in the legal world. I'd always had an interest in the law. My father was a lawyer, and uh, it's something that we always discussed around the dinner table. So it was a match between my kind of business interests and my personal interests, and I really loved it. So that uh, that started a, what's now been an 18-year career working in the legal industry, mm-hmm. first in uh, American Arbitration Association, then in various local and international law firms. My focus uh, for the first... 10 or 11 years has been business development. And along the way, one of my observations as a a person focused on business development and marketing was that law firms oftentimes spoke about their expertise or their experience, but they didn't often speak about cost or price or value proposition. And I thought there was a real opportunity for law firms to differentiate themselves by making that connection with clients. So around 2012, uh, Fenwick and West had an opportunity for a role that would be really connecting those two areas of business development and uh, pricing. And the they had just formed a budget team probably about a year or two before I joined. And they were doing a really nice job with profiling matters and creating budgets for the partners working on matters. What they were looking for was somebody to take all that information and really package it up, make it accessible to the partners, uh, try to see where there are patterns, where there were areas where we were doing similar scope, where we could create um, uh, pricing packages for clients. And that's where my Mm -hmm. role started. So that's how I moved from business development in a law firm to pricing. So what drew you specifically more to that role at that time, do you think? a few things. I, I saw 
first of all, I saw the changes going on in the industry uh, coming out of the Great Recession. We saw that mm-hmm. clients were much more focused on uh, the budgets and pricing for legal matters. Uh, the firm I had been working at had hired its first pricing director or pricing manager. And I saw the importance of that. And it was also somewhat of a frustration as a business developer that it, mm-hmm. it felt like there was something really missing from that communication, that that value proposition. And I really wanted to uh, pursue that. Fantastic. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about you know what you've been doing at Fedrag. Um, and as far as I understand, there's been a lot of focus on data analytics and cost management. And you know, starting in 2012, from my perspective, that was a very sort of market-leading thing to do. So, can you tell us about that journey in data analytics and you know what you've learned in this data-driven approach, which you know now you can't turn around for talking about data. So it would be great to hear from you, you know, what you've been doing over the last number of years on that journey and what people can learn from that. Sure. So just to give a little bit more background on the team, since I joined the firm, I took on um, our team, which is uh, uh, nine, nine members strong, and we handle um, mm-hmm. budget creation, monitoring, and alerting. We develop alternative fee arrangements for clients. Uh, we do legal project management, and we do all the rate setting and negotiation for the firm. So we have a, a pretty wide mandate, and we work with you know, all the partners and many other uh, attorneys and professionals in the firm. There's two major pieces to our data analytics strategy. So one is uh, our matter level data. So uh, understanding the metadata that surrounds matters. So if it's um, an M&A deal, um, what were the terms? What were what was the deal value? Things along those lines. So we track all that, and we have a database of that. Uh, if it's litigation, what just jurisdiction was it in? Uh, what were the what was the uh, issue at stake, and so forth. The second major piece is uh, the task coding. So when we first uh, created our our budget team, um, our first project was to go back and task code ten years worth of matter level data and figure out what were the work streams that went into each matter. Then we had to take, when we create a budget, we take similar types of matters. So uh, M&A with similar characteristics or litigation with similar characteristics, and we create a task-based budget. And so we can show a client, here are 10 matters that are similar to yours, and here's historically what we've seen in terms of fees for different work streams. And so we find that to be very effective in um, in communicating uh, fees to clients on budgets. Fantastic. And I, you know, what I'm hearing from this is, is that interaction with the clients. So my next question is, you know, around this data-driven approach, you know, what have you found has been the impact of working in this way for your firm? So it's allowed us to have a really robust discussion with clients around scope. Because once we lay out the different work streams for clients, we can then have a conversation about uh, what the anticipated work is, who's going to do what task, are we going to have other third parties involved? And so the discussion becomes less about price and more about scope. And so we found that to be a very effective way of of communicating um, budgets to clients. In terms of 
you know, some of the trends and challenges that pricing teams face. And we've heard a lot from corporate legal departments, legal ops and procurement teams that they really do actually having value having the pricing team involved in the relationship. So can you tell us a little bit about you know, how you're engaging with clients in this process in terms of scoping and you know, anything else you can tell us about that? Sure. I think what we found is that it's important to have the right people at the client connected to the right people at Fenwick. So at the client, mm-hmm. you've got general counsel or a CFO or legal operations people. You know, we've got pricing uh uh, analysts, and we've got knowledge management people and uh, practitioners as well. So uh, when we're putting together a budget or a pricing proposal, uh, we may want to be communicating with the people on the finance side to understand what are, what are their needs. You know, are they focused overall on overall legal spend for the year? Are they focused on getting the best price for the specific matter? Are they focused on something else that we're not aware of? And once we have that communication, we can work with them on something that makes sense. And then, um, you know, along the way, we're also going to coordinate with our our partners and our lawyers and the lawyers in-house at the at our clients to make sure that we're all aligned there. But you know, I think everybody plays a role and we can take a lot of the work off the partners uh, for, for things that they don't really need to be focused on and, and let them focus on the most important things, the strategy of the case, the scope of the matter, things along those lines, which they're uniquely positioned to do and let us focus on the finances. When we looked at the peer monitor surveys that um, came out recently, the pricing teams come in different shapes and sizes. So the average size of a pricing team is sort of two to three people. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your team at Fenwick and, you know, how, you know, your team is able to prioritize and, you know, make an impact with with the partners and the business? So our team, uh, first of all, our team specializes in different areas of the law. We have uh, somebody focused on corporate matters, somebody focused on litigation, another person focused on IP. And what that's done for us is allowed us to, first of all, build a lot of credibility with the partners we work with because we really understand the matters that we're working on. Um, And it's allowed us to uh, create more accurate budgets because we really understand the work. Our team has gained a reputation for just being really knowledgeable about the matters that we handle. And, and that comes from a few different places. One is that just, just by reviewing time entries on different matters, we get to know, <laughs> we get to know what the work is. It's just a, a, a part of the job. But we also spend a lot of time doing independent research, whether it's reading um, uh, articles that our, our lawyers have published or just reading on, on how certain matters work. And then our, our, you know, Fenwick does a lot of internal CLE program, continuing legal education, and, and our team makes an uh, effort to attend those um, sessions because oftentimes there are changes in the law that will impact how we create budgets. The number one thing we're focused on is making sure that for current matters we have, especially the, the larger uh, or more fee-sensitive matters, that we're providing very accurate updates and regular updates to our partners and clients. Um, that's that's one of our primary functions is to make sure that there are no surprises. And so we do spend a lot of time at the outset of a matter, making sure we've got a very accurate budget given the information that we have. We spend time with our partners and clients understanding what type of updates do they require 
what level of detail, what level of frequency. And then we have um, an entire infrastructure in place to make sure that our clients and our partners are getting the updates that they uh, need at the frequency they desire. Because we found that the, the, the one thing that, that clients just don't want to surprise us. And so our biggest, um, you know, our biggest mantra is no surprises. We want accurate information communicated to everybody. So that's our top priority. And we can totally agree with the no surprises elements. Um, we've definitely seen that you know, in, in the work that we do. Uh, the better communication you have with clients, um, you know, the more effective the relationship. So I wanted to sort of switch gears now to, you know, we've talked a bit about the teams and a, and a bit about Fenwick. And let's talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the trends across the industry that you're seeing. But I think it's interesting to know, you know, from your perspective, um, you know, which practice areas are you seeing more alternative fees in? And, you know, why do you think that is? My view on alternative fee arrangements is that it's more likely to be utilized in areas that are either repeatable, process-oriented work, right? So, you know, day-to-day, month-to-month generally what to expect. So, it's easier for the firm to predict that. Uh, or on a per-matter or per-task pricing, uh, basis where you can manage the, the the alternative fee arrangements as a portfolio. So um, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's litigation or M&A or IP, having enough um, number of matters to um, understand that there will be you know, better outcomes on some than others, but overall, you can predict uh, a fair price for them. That having been said, um, it is it is more difficult to come up with alternative fee arrangements for very large complex matters for the obvious reasons of the unpredictability and um, many mm-hmm. different paths that things can take and and so what we've seen is that the the key there is just think about what is predictable what do we know is going to happen so you can develop alternative fee arrangements for those pieces but then um, for the pieces that are less predictable either do those hourly or figure out some other arrangement for those that enti- that builds in the, the um, kind of risk involved. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's less about practice area and more about can you, what is certain, what can you predict and what's not, not uh, certain at that point. You know, you've come from, you know, the finance business development background and, you know, there's so many different, backgrounds that uh, pricing professionals come into this role. You know, what do you think are the most important skills that you need for the role and you know, people can bring into this role? So as, as you can imagine, data, data analysis and Excel skills are obviously needed. And we do a lot of work in Excel. We do a lot of work in, in, with data and, and financial information. So it's definitely important to be able to understand that. You, you don't necessarily have to be, in order to be in pricing, uh, be an absolute expert in Excel. But you do need to be able to be very comfortable with uh, manipulating and communicating data. So that's just sort of a, a first, first step. Something else that I think is really important is good communication skills. So one of the uh, most important things is being able to uh, probe and listen to when, you, when we're speaking with our lawyers, get a real good understanding of the matter and the scope. And that requires asking a lot of questions, knowing which questions to ask, and then listening very um, intently so that you really understand the dynamics of the matter. Writing skills are very important too. 
because one of the um, services we provide is we often draft communications to clients, either you know for our, our lawyers or directly to clients, um, explaining the budget, explaining changes, and so forth. And then, you know, along those lines, being able to translate the data in those spreadsheets. So it's one thing to put together a task-based budget that shows fees for the next two years, but it's another thing to be able to put that into a two to three sentence summary so that people in different roles uh, understand how that's going to impact them. And um, what we've seen is that depending on your role in the matter, whether you're a partner at a, at a firm, you know, at our firm, or you're at the client mm-hmm. and you're in the CFO, or you're at the client, you're the general counsel, the level of detail and the um, type of communication that you want about the the um, budget is going to be different. And so we really need to be attuned to that. And then I think just generally a curiosity and a desire to learn new areas. So those are the kind of important things I'd say is just data analysis, good communications, and a desire to learn and understand the matters that you're working on. You talked already a little bit about, you know, how you engage with clients. And, you know, in terms of fees or communication, you know, what are you seeing the clients are asking most from your team or, you know, the team of people working with them um, at your firm? For us, it's really regular updates. And for each mm-hmm. client, it's different. There are different flavors of it. And, and obviously, every corporation isn't completely different. But it's important to sync with the internal financial mechanics of each of each company we deal with, right? Uh, understanding how they do accruals, understanding what their budget cycle is, understanding who internally is making decisions uh, and, and what information are they using to make decisions. So for us, it's really learning, um, you know, having good relationships with those people and understanding what they need to get their job done and when they need it, and then building our process around that. I love that term, sync with the um, financial mechanics. I think that's something that everyone listening to the podcast should uh, should keep in mind. Um, another question I have, I mean, you clearly have great relationships with um, clients, but we still sometimes see that challenge of the vague RFP coming out. You know, how, how does your team deal with with that if, if that happens to you? So what, what we've seen is as the legal operations community, community has continued to grow and mature, we're seeing much less of that. We, I don't know if you've seen that, that the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium clock. They recently started yeah. a, a law firm membership. And so there's a very active engagement between the legal ops community and the legal pricing community and, and other professionals um, on, the, on the law firm side. So we're seeing less of that. All that being said, it is all about communication. So we found that our clients are quite willing to engage with us in clarifying RFPs. Um, we have a legal operations team at Fenwick that includes knowledge management, business development, IT, finance, diversity, practice management. And so they review um, all of our RFPs and provide feedback. And so to the extent we do need clarification, we have a really great team of experts here who can pinpoint the areas that 
that you know need need further elaboration. So um, I feel like we've we definitely see it, but I feel like we have a good line of communication with our clients that we can um, deal with it. Fantastic! I love that sort of collaborative team approach um, on your legal ops side. Um, so clearly. Your team has been very successful in getting, you know, lawyer engagement. That, but this, you know, can still be a common problem for pricing teams. Now, do you have any sort of on-the-ground tactics that you could give to our listeners for, you know, helping up the engagement with their lawyers from the start, you know, when you're from the outset of pricing an agreement? How can people go about that in a tactical way? So there's a few few ways. So first of all, uh, some clients just require that budgets are, are are created, right? So through their e-billing systems, you need to give them a budget in order for the matter to be to be billed. And so uh, there's just a requirement that that is done. So those are easy uh, opportunities to engage um, with the partners in the firm and say say, hey, uh, this is required. We need to do this. How can I help? Right. And so I, my experience is that most um, uh, most partners would be more than willing to have us do the um, uh, analysis and then review it, uh, uh, then have them do it on, on their own. Right. So that's that's something we're well suited to do. Um, in general, I'd say it's really important to speak their language. As, as I mentioned, our team's gotten a reputation for really understanding the work. Um, if we're going to communicate with a partner, we want to really make sure we understand um, the dynamics of the matter and able and able we're able to speak their language. Uh, we also want to um, set them up for success. So we don't want to just we try not to just send a spreadsheet um, and have them interpret it, uh, even though they're very capable of that. But that's just asking them to do the work. Um, we try to you know send them the information, send them the data, but then also send a summary, or even better yet. Um, summarize it in an email communication to the client so that all they have to do is review it and send it um, if it's if it's uh, on point. Given our podcast is called Pricing Matters, uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, from your perspective, you know, why does pricing matter to you? So I think pricing is one of the most fun and interesting areas for a few reasons. First of all, it's analytical. It's possible to use data to demonstrate value or to help with decision making. And I just have a lot of interest in that. It's also psychological. So pricing isn't just about the data. Pricing and finances are a very emotional issue for all parties and it can take some creativity and communication skills to um, be effective at it. So I think that's a fun challenge. And then lastly, it's strategic. So pricing is strategic in that it flows from and contributes to the overall strategy of the firm, how it generates profits, which businesses it chooses to enter, how it plans to perform the work. And so I find that to be really fun and it makes me feel like I'm really engaged with the business of the of the firm. Fantastic. I love that answer. Um is there anything that I haven't asked you, you know, that you you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't addressed yet? Thanks Aurelia. I think all all I'd like to say is just that I think pricing is super important to um 
the strategy of the firm. And so for anybody out there who is thinking about how to start with it at their firm, I would say just start. It's um, it, You've got to start somewhere. So either start with the data, start with creating alternative fee arrangements, but start somewhere because this is really important and every firm needs to be doing this. Thank you for listening to Pricing Matters, a podcast by Digitory Legal. To find out more about our guests, please visit our podcast page at digitorylegal forward slash pricing matters. If you have any feedback or any guests that you think we should feature, please reach out to me at Aurelia at digitorylegal.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.